Welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hi, I'm Tony. And if you're watching this the day it comes out, we're having the general election tomorrow in America. So uh, we're going to dive into the ethics of voting. As we mentioned in the previous episode, I realize there's not a lot of time to chew on this before you (laughs) end up making your decision. Uh, But nevertheless... I would like this discussion to be somewhat evergreen in yeah. that you could take these tools with you in any election. In any election. But if you find it at all helpful, if you're struggling the night before with who to vote for, for those of you undecided, or even for those of you that feel like you have it locked in, you're going to head in person to the polls tomorrow. Um, yeah, just reconsider, I guess. Just think through this together and. Yeah, well, we we had been talking in last week's episode about the fact that, like, right now I'm not a citizen, so I cannot vote. And part of me is, it's probably the wrong reaction, but part of me is slightly relieved because the thought of, as somebody coming into this country, getting the lay of the political landscape to the point where now I have something to say about it and I've got a suggestion uh, in the form of a vote, that seems like such an overwhelming task to me. Like, I'm curious at what point, and I'm sure we'll get there, at what point should I feel comfortable casting a vote? Great. Um, should I feel comfortable out of the gates? Is my apprehension unwarranted? Or should I get a little more educated? And if so, what's that benchmark? How do yeah. I know when I'm educated enough? So so just to kick us, kick us off for this discussion, yeah. I have a little illustration, Great. a thought experiment to help you answer exactly that question. So Brilliant. here it goes. Okay. Uh, it's called the illustration of the fundraiser thermometer. Okay. And I think you can picture that. I've already got it in my a, head. A huge poster board. Yep. Someone used a big, thickle black Sharpie to draw an outline of a thermometer. Yeah. And there's different striations on it. There's the goal at the top. Yeah. And then you fill it in with red ink. Like As a you start to raise pledges. As money comes in, you fill it in, right? Yep. You got the picture? Got it. Okay. Well, now imagine, I mean, technically you would have this for every candidate, uh, a thermometer. Okay. Uh, but Which is actually anyone because you can write in. Okay. But imagine it's just two, right, for sure. each main party. So I have one, an empty thermometer for each one. And the goal means I am now justified in voting for you. Okay. Or if you'd like, just uh, I am going to vote for you. Okay. Because I'm, I'm trying to fill up this bar to get to the point where now I'm going to vote for you. Which is different than I should, I ought to vote for you. We're setting the bar lower. Just I'm justified in voting for you. Uh, I'm setting the, I actually, yeah, let me rephrase it. I want to set the bar to just, I am going I to am vote going for to you. I am going to do it. Because it's real, it'll, it'll be really tough to adjudicate shoulds sure. okay. and oughts. I'll leave that to the individual voter to decide. Okay. So basically what how this works is um, it's up to you then with your red marker when to fill in a little spot on the thermometer and actually how much to fill in based on certain events. Okay. And this is, I think, this is a helpful way to picture what's happening in people's minds. It's essential. It's a way of yeah. physically representing what we do mentally when we encounter pieces of data. Yeah. So think through this with me. Um, w- let's say the goal is a hundred thousand dollars for a fundraiser, yep. and someone donated fifty thousand. Well, you yep. you mark her in half the thermometer. Well, what would count as a fifty thousand donation to you? on a political vote thermometer. Yeah. So let's say this candidate, there's probably a certain policy or who they are as a person or just 
whatever it might be that you then have to make the the decision how much of that thermometer gets filled in does that make sense it does make sense okay makes so sense. just if you're listeners if you're following with me then i think this is where disagreements come in all the time in political discussions you have with neighbors or people online is that you may talk about like factoids about an issue but then there's this whole underlying processor that we're all running Value. for how much does that matter yep so let's just take for instance a very recent thing about um joe biden's son and the email scandal you may not have heard of that even but that's okay it's just and we don't even have to go into the details so whatever you end up thinking about that how much do you take how much do you fill in with your red marker do you do nothing right do you fill in a lot and then there's another thing that I think people make really irrational decisions on with their markers. So we can now imagine, typically they don't have these, but your marker has an eraser. Oh, wow. So you can I actually can lose points. You can lose points in this thought experiment. And so I just want to challenge people when, let's say, Trump does something well. Are you filling in your Trump thermometer and erasing your Biden one for oh. something that has nothing to do with Biden? Did Trump, he lose points? Did did the other person lose points in virtue of that person gaining them? Yeah. That to me, you shouldn't do that. Foul play. Foul play. Yeah. Um now Clinton, what if I what if they both earned enough to get to They the, both filled that thermometer? Well, let's just imagine whoever had the most marker past that point. Because just like a fundraiser, we're not gonna stop you right. from giving we'll them take extra, extra points. Extra ten dollars. So yeah. um so let's just say you will end up voting for the person with the most uh red marker in the account so that's our thought experiment going forward for the discussion yes now um, please yeah. it stresses me out this thought experiment okay really it's the same stress as the whole process of voting and just that i am dubious of my own value judgments on these things what say more Why so is that? great I, I will make this up off the top of my head but let's say x candidate has some economic proposal mm -hmm. some tax thing they want to do or who knows and i am not an economist i don't know how to properly value whether a whether this policy is good or bad is it helpful for the nation or is it are there going to be unintended ripple effects how much of my thermometer should get filled up i don't know how to do that now it's much easier for me to on an emotional level let's say i'm a college student and one candidate says free college for everyone brilliant that sounds bloody great I'm very tempted to fill up my thermometer on that. But mm -hmm. I'm not convinced that that's a good reason to fill up my thermometer just because it may benefit me in the short term. There's obviously way more questions that need to be asked about. How does this happen? Where does the money come from? Who else does it impact? So I am not trust. I'm trusting enough of my own value judgments to even have the courage to begin filling in a thermometer. Hmm. So, do, you, do you think that that's just in virtue of you not having enough information? Or are there genuine, uh, I'm going to use a big philosophy word, incommensurate goods? Um, so outside of a, a market economy or something, it would be unclear how many nacho chips count for this many shoes. It's like I, if I were to right. trade with you, I don't know. That's why currency is so helpful. <laughs> There's an independent third party that we can yeah. assign value to things. Yes. But genuinely i would not know if i were to give you a pair of shoes how many nacho chips should i get in return right is that kind of what we're facing with these different issues like okay there's free college 
Um, there's a cost to that, but I can also imagine all these other constellation of consequences and yep. benefits or challenges. How do I weigh that against a corporate tax rate? Exactly. Yes. And so, and it's not like, obvious. To and me. you feel like, are you saying you would feel like you would need to know how to um, contra- compare and contrast those in order to how much red marker to fill in? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do feel like that. Um, and I feel like it's almost the same thing as contra- consequentialism becoming quickly overwhelming just from my epistemic position. I don't know all the ripple effects of these mm. various policies. So I'm paralyzed out of the gate and i don't know how to overcome that unless i'm thinking about how to assign value in the wrong way is there some other how do you do it is there some other way to go about it no i'm not i don't think we're quite there yet for me to tip my hand okay all right but let's think um maybe this is a helpful starting place let's think for a moment are is there anything that would let you fill up the entire thermometer with one go you might think sometimes we call this a single issue voter Depending on what this candidate thinks about this issue, that is who I will vote for. They exist. I know many of them. I don't. Yeah. So let's let's no, just come right out me. and say a, a huge one for let's say the Republican Party uh, or conservatives is the topic of abortion. Sure. Uh, you'll hear some people say, "I will never vote for a candidate that is not pro-life." We could go all into right. the ins and outs of that, but just that as a and even maybe even try to remove the that issue of pro life from it if you can. Yeah. But just that reasoning of there is this one it's issue such an important issue that trumps the rest to where I will vote in one direction, or or on the other side you're like I could never vote for someone that's pro life. Right. Yeah. Again, speaking just disclaimer for these whole episodes. I'm speaking <laughs> from a place of ignorance. All right. I know that I don't know. No, but you're much. a you're a thinking person. I try you're, to think. You're reflective. So. I I can't think of a sing I don't see how you can distill an entire election to a single issue being the most important. It seems to me that you have to at least look and consider what the other issues are that are on the table. Mm-hmm. You certainly can't just declare that one is more important than all the other others and not look at them. Or f- how do you know if it's more important unless you've looked and seen what the policies are? Because it could be the case that again making this up. Let's say you hate abortion. And it's going to cause the loss of however many fetuses you believe to be lives mm-hmm. over the next year. What if there's some other policy that impacts millions of lives? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, it's worth thinking shouldn't about. we consider that as well? Yeah. Or and so I would say for myself, I, there's no single issue that immediately comes to mind that would immediately fill like a the real world me. issue. I, I think we could imagine. I can imagine a candidate coming out and saying, if I were elected, I will launch nuclear strikes against oh, all the allies. It can empty someone's bar very quickly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Eraser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe that pushes on the logic of maybe if someone did say that, now I should fill in the marker for the other person because <laughs> we can't have that. They're you know? not a psychopath. Um, yeah. So there is a line drawing problem with yeah. all this stuff. Of, okay. um, so if that's an obvious one to fill up a thermometer... Um, where does it become non-obvious? Yeah. Uh, so that's just one. Let's let's just go through different examples of ways that some people will fill up the whole thermometer. Yep. Or at least a significant amount. Yeah. So you know? not ways that you should, but this is what people do. Yeah. Okay. And you might find yourself amongst these. Yeah. Just I I recommend 
tuning into your own heart and mind. Be present. And think to yourself, is this what I do? Not what I think I do or what I'd like to be doing, but are, is there one of these things that I, this is just how I end up thinking and processing it. Okay. Yep. Let's hear it. For, I'm going to fill up my thermometer. That's the kind of um, antecedent for all these. If that Canada is the most virtuous in character. So I'm Stand just basing it on from what I've seen them, how the, how they've handled, handled themselves, uh, the things that they say, how they interact with people. I'm trying to get a pulse on their character, and I'm going to fill that sucker up for the one that has the most virtue. Yeah. Any res- I'm going to kind of go through these, and you can give your yeah. knee-jerk response. Well, I think, I think there's something there because, well... First of all, I can imagine a very virtuous man or woman, just whatever, yeah. who uh, is completely inept politically, doesn't understand the various mm-hmm. complex issues that go into forming a nation. I don't want that person at the helm, despite how virtuous they might be. Virtuous but ignorant. Seems like virtue alone shouldn't qualify somebody for leadership of a country. Let's say Barney <laughs> from the, the old children's show. We don't want Barney steering the <laughs> he ship. He has the... Great guy. Just the heart of gold, you know, unassailable character. Yeah. Spends a lot of time with kids. Yeah. But other than, you know. But now, <laughs> so I would say, I think the nugget of what makes that attractive, why you would even begin to consider virtue, uh, why does it factor in? Because I think there's something to, I want to believe that the things this person says they will do, they actually will do. Yes. And that their interests are, you know, they're acting in the best interests of others, the whole nation. They're mm-hmm. not self-interested. So a little dose of virtue doesn't hurt. I so, wouldn't but, mind But virtue. how you're phrasing that, though, just to push on you a little bit, it makes it sound like a requirement. Maybe it doesn't get you all the way, but if a candidate fails to have that, mm. then doesn't that undermine the rest of everything? Like, if I can't trust them... For me, it would. If somebody was clearly not virtuous or proven to be a habitual liar, that does cause me to distrust that they will actually enact the policies that they mm-hmm. claim they will enact. So they lose yeah. some confidence from me. Sorry, and I don't mean to rabbit trail, Please. but um, <laughs> there, someone might be wondering, maybe not, but on my thought experiment, um, what if I, what if neither reaches to the threshold? Yeah. Should I then vote? Um, I go either way on that, but probably vote for the one that still has the most red markings on it. I don't know okay. if you were worried about that. But I'm just, I just imagined if both candidates fail the, the honesty test, test right. then it kind of it doesn't totally make sense to me to not vote then. Well, maybe we can get there. I, again, I don't want to rabbit trail, but like the whole voting third party thing right. is kind of interesting mm-hmm. to yeah, me. Yeah. So maybe we'll get there. Uh, okay, I'll fill in my thermometer mostly or all the way if this candidate represents my personal values. They represent me most accurately. Yeah. See, Does, should that matter at all? Well, what do you what do you call this system of government? A representative democracy? A representative republic. Republic. Representative republic. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sort of baked into the idea? You're going to elect the people who would say what you would say if you were in their shoes. Yeah. Is that kind of it? I guess so, yeah. Certainly for an actual representative in Congress. Yeah. So, again, I find that one to be not that helpful Mm -hmm. just because I have views. I don't have that many views about economics, healthcare, 
agriculture, mm-hmm. I don't have many views. So like, I don't know who would represent my view. I actually would probably want someone who thinks differently about those things than me yeah, and probably thinks a lot more carefully about them yeah. than me. <laughs> like what, what that person happens to think about the Bible that's You're saying it should not matter. It's not that important to okay. me. Right. <laughs> now here, here's the one. If I were to guess most people, most listeners, I might be guilty of this end up doing. Okay. And that's, uh, I'm going to fill up my thermometer mostly or all the way for the candidate who represents the political party most aligned with my values slash the one I've always endorsed. It's hard to get away from that I, one. Now, I'd yeah. like to just to be as charitable as possible. Um, you might have really good reasons for making a decision about endorsing a particular party. And you maybe you trust that party's leadership who's done a lot of work in vetting candidates. And we don't have to limit this to just the presidency because you might have mavericks that come in that the establishment doesn't really care for, like a Trump. But for the most part, like party leadership is really involved in the vetting of which candidates to fund because mm. people just give to the Republican or Democrat party and then people in that party allocate funds to different candidates. Right. So you might say, uh, I trust the what the party stands for, like the platform, and I trust who, like that they're an organization also, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. They hire people that make these choices and I trust what they're doing so I'm going to vote for that party. Yeah. I actually, I can't be bothered to do all this research. What I do know is I stand for these things on their platform and I trust them to pick the right people. Hmm. I imagine a lot, that's the most charitable version of it. Yeah. The more depraved version would just be like, this is my tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think I'd be curious to know. Someone depraved who, is a little strong. But. Right. As someone who grew up in America... How much was political identity drilled into you as as a kid growing up? Because like I'm thinking back to my own childhood, I I couldn't tell you. And maybe this, sorry, mum and dad, if you're watching, and I've just been ignorant for this long. I don't know who they vote for. I don't really know where they land on the That's political so aisle. Wow, it could totally be that I just didn't pay attention for 18 years. But it wasn't something we talked a ton about. In our house. Now that could have just been our house. Like, did they? Like, they didn't take your brother Brad to the polls on polling day. Like, it's oh, a big event. No. I, well, let's see. I left when I was eighteen, so I didn't vote. I know Brad has. De- well, you have to vote in Australia once you turn eighteen. So that's amazing. It's just too. different. So yeah, they were involved in that, but like, I don't remember discussions around the dinner table of, all right, kids, we're Labor or we're Liberal through and through. I, hmm. I don't remember that. But is it different over here? Is that something kids? It's sort of built into the family structure, like. I would say for the most part. Yeah. All right. We're from Ohio. We're American. We're Republicans. We, whatever. I think there are definitely families like that for sure. Where but, it's as big a part of your identity as, all right, we're Catholic and we're in mass every Saturday. That's who we are. And we vote again, Republican. Again, I, don't, I don't feel yeah. like knowledgeable enough to make that sociological claim. Sure. Uh, but I would, I would wager that, yeah, there's a large percentage of the country that's like that. So then it's not too super surprising for me that people would not venture out of their tribe right later on in life they'll mm-hmm. stick to because that's a scary thing to do no matter what arena you're talking about right to venture beyond the confines of the tribe totally in thought scary uh one that i just heard recently uh, that i found pretty interesting i'm gonna vote for the candidate or fill up my thermometer for the one whose political stance mo- most upholds or reflects the constitution 
which is our uh, yeah. you know founding document. There's something to that. I mean, if a founding document's going to be good for anything, it needs to be upheld. Right. Otherwise, why have it? Uh, which is, yeah, that, that is pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know how much, maybe this, maybe I'm going to come across as really naive and ignorant, but I just don't know how much that really comes up, that a particular candidate has that much say over what to do with the Constitution. The ju- the judicial branch does. Yeah. We're watching that play out right now with Amy Coney Barrett. In fact, by the time this <laughs> airs, uh, she will have been confirmed or not confirmed. Mm. Um, and that that collection of people is responsible for interpreting the Constitution. But the and president, I guess, and I guess so your representatives have a say in confirming them. So very, very indirectly, do you have someone who is stewarding the Constitution? Like you have a voice in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess like that would bug me too if someone it's just trampling on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably lead me to give. They some would erase points at least. Give, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, we already kind of talked about this, but the candidate who will achieve something specific on at least one or more policies. So call it the one-issue voter, maybe a two- or four-issue voter. Yeah. But they've really um, truncated their scope of what matters. These are the three or four things that matter most. And if you check these off, then I'll give you 25% for each. Dink, dink, dink. All right, you made it. That of the listed so far, that's the most compelling. Really? Why? I think so. Because you've, but the the problem is you've left out a range of issues, and you might be self-serving. Oh, I believe that. No, no. I'm when I say most compelling, it's like that seems the most achievable to me. I could maybe wrap my head around three or four issues, mm-hmm. and come up with a pretty educated opinion of like, ah, I think this is the right way to go, based on everything I've researched. Oh, this candidate hits those four marks. That's as good as Tony can do. You know, I can imagine it feeling that way. Yeah, um, that feels more achievable to me. But I'm with you that I would be completely ignoring mm-hmm. a large swath of policies. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting, man. So like, I'm just, I don't have the answers either, audience. Like, I'm still wrestling through this as well. But I'm really interested in how this topic relates to voting for like a self interest interested voter. Yeah. Um, which, which I think. <laughs> Yeah. This one is this um, precept of how to vote is kind of in that vein. So you've self-selected the things that matter most to you. Those might be other directed, right? So like maybe yeah. maybe the abortion issue yeah. you might think is directed toward others, yeah. right? I mean, you yourself may never get an abortion. You'd, you'd like other people to not be doing that. Yeah. But I'm imagining like, is it so bad for a steel worker in Pennsylvania to jack up the steel industry as one of the main things that they're voting for when in reality that may not uh, across the board for the whole country make the top 10 of issues yeah or take whatever industry pick maybe a more compelling one that would be lower the yarn industry (laughs) okay no one's talking about sorry if there's any yarnists but you might is that would that be wrong for someone in that industry where that really matters for their livelihood to ratchet that up into their top four and I'm gonna vote for the candidate that's gonna do most for the yarn industry? Is or, that unethical? Or do we want everybody representing their own industries by jacking up how important they are? That's how the yarn industry gets heard. Mm-hmm. Or should I be voting on all of the interests and trying to coalesce that into my thermometer? That makes me want to quit, man. 
That's too much. That's the thing. It's a practical thing. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around every industry and and how to value them against one another. It's back back to your point. How do you value how many nails is a car worth? I don't know. Right. Two different, very different things. (laughs) Right. So we. That's why it'd be nice to have a currency (laughs) in politics, but it's hard. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, I'm going to fill my thermometer for the candidate who is most respectable on the world stage or is presidential. You've heard that before. And like, how they carry themselves. Yep. A little they bit act, slightly different from the character. Yeah, they act. Their etiquette is yes. is professional and like I don't know. President, they, they shake hands. Regal. They're majestic. They're, they're regal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that would, that would be surprising to me if someone filled up their whole thermometer. That's the main thing you're looking for. Right. Some, a really good actor could do it. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> some strong, jawed, a George man, Clooney or beautiful something. woman. Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, I could get on yeah, board. He seems like a president. <laughs> <laughs> so we can kind of skip that. I think a huge one for people, if we're being totally honest, is I'm going to fill up my thermometer for the candidate that is most historic. Uh, uh, first, a first race or gender or um, background, let's say, yep. like the first philosophy PhD to be elected president. Um, that would tempt you. Yeah, you would be tempted by that. <laughs> that would, I, I would. It, my ears would perk. I don't know if I'd uncap my red marker quite yet. Um, yeah. But I'm sure that people operate on that. I mean, that was really clear in the Obama campaign yeah. for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. people were really excited. About to, a black president. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of was too. That's yeah, cool. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that should fill up someone's thermometer all the way. Like, well, I think we want, call me crazy. Yeah. I think we want to vote for the most competent person, regardless of race or gender or the, the story that it would put in the history books. I think we want the most competent person doing the job, whoever that happens to be. Is yeah. that insane? So, great. I think it's a good segue to this la- the last one I was going to cover. Okay. And tell me if you think this is competence. I don't know if okay. that's what you're getting at, but um, this this happens to be the one that I, I, I would like to use. But anyway, I'm going to fill up my thermometer for the candidate whose policies on the whole will lead, or you perceive will lead, to the greatest amount of well-being. To the greatest amount of human flourishing. Yeah. The policies that they endorse and the actions they will likely take will make the world on the whole a better place rather than worse. And I don't know if that's the same to you as competence, but it's very, what I'm articulating is very outcome based. Yes. Not skills based. Right. Which makes me wonder why is that not subject to the same criticisms that consequentialism is as a moral theory? Why are you not left just as paralyzed on if that's what you're using to vote as you are you are you a consequentialist in the way you act in the world i don't think you are i'm not sure oh, okay <laughs> he's not sure i've taught ethics for a number of years and i still am undecided about which one's right but still not sure um if it weren't for some of the objections i really like the theory so let's maybe break it down if we have viewers who aren't familiar with consequentialism and what we're talking about then. yeah it's a moral theory that says you ought to do that thing which will lead to the maximum good flourish good the maximum good the and most there's a good. whole debate about what the good is but you're maximizing sure. good minimizing the bad do the thing that min max what are the consequences what are the ripple effects and i think the main pushback morality is forward-looking 
not backward looking. That's the main distinction. Got it. No, I guess you can think about it. It's interesting. You can learn from it. But ultimately, what really matters is what what's going forward. Yeah. The anti-consequentialist is like, oh, no, no, no. A lot of morality is actually backward looking. You need to look in the rearview mirror and see what carnage you did back there and yep. make up for it. Um, yeah. So, and I think, yeah, the main pushback is, or one of the main pushbacks is just our epistemic position. What mm-hmm. we know, how much we can know, and how we can know it is so limited. We have such a small slice that even like me picking this up, waving it around, putting it back down, I have no idea how much I just changed things 2,000 years from now because I did that. It seems like a very little, man. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you don't know. You don't know that. Come on. Because now we're talking about it. We're laughing about it. 30 seconds is going by. This conversation's panning out differently than it would have, which means we'll finish slightly later, which means the rest of our day will be slightly different. I might have mi- missed a car accident. That's right. Or we'll get into one. Mate, there's all kinds of stuff. Before the end of the day, it's incalculable how many little... If I died in a car wreck, I don't know if anyone would be listening to this. Would I, you still upload it? I would it up it. In just, memoriam? Just to prove the point. <laughs> but if I hadn't waved this, he might still be with us. <laughs> so but you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I wonder if, if this is how you vote. Oh, just whatever's going to... The most human flourishing. The policies that will lead to that. Okay, cool theory. Now, practically, how do you live that out? How do you actually do it? I don't know if I do. Mm. I think I'm... Oh, man. It stinks to admit. I think I'm pretty irrational when it comes to my thermometer markings. Wow. Way uh, to display intellectual honesty, man. And I think... Um, I'm pretty biased. Mm-hmm. I so I've been watching all of the debates and everything, and I have this sense going into it, like I had a preferred candidate. Yeah. And then when the other person, it doesn't take much for the other person to say something that I don't like, and I have my eraser ready to erase. Ready to You're go. hovering over the thermometer, ready yeah. to erase. Um. So I don't. Well, maybe that's not so irrational, but it's just what ends up happening, and yeah. so. I, I do think I have the tendency, and I wouldn't be surprised if you do as well, that you have the um, just to have your marker at the ready for any little thing to ascribe good to your candidate mm-hmm. and your eraser out. You're for, primed to do that for the opposing candidate. Yeah. Um, and how much to erase? Like to, back to the, I mean, that's really the crux of the issue for me. Is I think I think you could make a case that all of these should factor into it. Or will. Yeah. Everything we mentioned. So just quickly. uh, Virtuous character, your own personal values, political party, uh, thinking about the Constitution, uh, important policies on the horizon, who's presidential, what's historic, what leads to human flourishing. I I don't think you can help but have all of those filter through the processor. And the million-dollar question is how much of the thermometer are you filling in or taking away mm-hmm. when something happens in each of those categories? So let's just get real with it. Trump says something really outrageous and annoying that betrays a corrupt character, let's yeah. say. Um, or at least maybe is evidence of that. How much of the how much of his points do I erase? I don't know. That's hard to say. Yeah. Cause it, it's just a one-off thing that he said in that particular instance, right? And if I happen to think that a policy that he's offering is really good, then it's like those incommensurate values. Yep. Or if Biden stutters in a debate, I'm like, oh, he's looking old. I want to erase that yeah. points. 
but oh, he said this really good thing about this policy. I want to add to it, but how it's all about that how much. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have any solution to that. One thing you can do, I think, is to broaden your horizon of voices that you're listening to and try to figure out how much value they accord to certain issues. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, I'm I'm fairly stuck, you know, in how to move forward with this. Do you feel after this conversation even less uh capable to make an informed vote? Or <laughs> I feel maybe more okay with the fact that I'm irrational. Maybe I've come to terms with that. Mm. Uh but I don't have a clear path of how to move forward. I think I think the most reasonable would be to do my due diligence on the topics that I can without, you know, upending my whole life to be just devouring political info 24-7. Yeah. I could do that for years and never wrap my head around it. But maybe four issues I could figure out. I don't know. I'm blanking on his name right now. I think it's Kahneman, the researcher who did this groundbreaking study on um, just how non-relevant factors lead into someone making a decision. Mm -hmm. So as it happens, it turns out that people report uh, like a tense conversation going better than it would have otherwise if they had smelled fresh baking pie earlier that day. Wow. Or just things like that that play into your overall assessment of how things went. So, I mean, it could be the case like if you had a crummy day at work, uh, and you had a crappy dinner, and then you go to watch the presidential debate, you're just maybe more ornery yeah. and will assign more negative points in that case. Yeah, man. Um, this happened. They talk about this when I was in academia. This was brought up all the time to train new teachers like myself. Like, hey, you really have to watch yourself, like how you do grading, because you, you'll you notice like the you will grade the papers less rationally as time goes on like as you get tired yeah. or as you get bored or if you're doing it in a cranky mood yeah like grades will go down if you had just eaten a great meal grades go up wow it's just so we are way more emotional than we like to admit i think so so in I how we make our decisions i i'm sad to say there's not like an enormous huge takeaway to help you but i think if you stew on this over the next 24 hours before you vote just think through carefully, like, how am I feeling in that thermometer? Like, be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you think you're doing it rationally and you're able to adjudicate what human flourishing will result from each of these policies? Um, and who, and you're looking at fact checker websites. Well, he uh, misled here. Oh, he wasn't quite truthful here. And all these things. There's so much information that you're bringing to the table. <laughs> yeah. How are you filling up your thermometer? I would love to know that. Would you leave a comment or write into the show? Tell That'd be us helpful. Which of those, what, seven or eight things? Yeah. To to that end of widening the net of voices to hear about what people value and don't yeah. value, that can be helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd love to know what you think too. So where can they reach us? Yeah, you can reach us at open to truth podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we reply to all those. Uh, leave a comment on YouTube. Uh, we'll take time to respond to you and get a conversation going. Yeah, join the conversation. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Stay curious. Stay curious.